Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. It is a film review day, Logan. So we're going to dive deeper into what happened in the 38-31 loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. Disclaimer for the start of this podcast. We're recording this Tuesday morning. Uh, as of right now, there are no trades to talk about for the commanders. If one happens, uh, we will talk about it uh, on the radio show this afternoon. Uh, the deadline is after. So whether uh, we give you a bonus episode from my show with just me or me and a guest or Logan pops on the show or however we, we want to do that, we can handle a trade later. But if there's a gigantic Montez sweat deal that happens or whatever else that could happen, it's not going to be talked about on this podcast. No, we, don't, we don't know what it is and yet. It's and not also, only it's only we film it early. It's like we're earlier than normal filming it because you have stuff to do today. So That is true. That is true. And also the purpose of this podcast is the film review. So we're going to stay focused on that. Okay, with that disclaimer out of the way, Logan, um, we were having probably one of our more heated discussions we've ever had before sure. the show. Uh, two reasonable people, reasonable people disagreeing um, about kind of the story of this game. Um, you are coming at this from your perspective, uh, which is someone who played offense for 10 years in the NFL. And I think it's a perfectly understandable and in fact, like correct, uh, stance on kind of what went wrong in this game, because multiple things can be true. It's just kind of how we weight these yeah. things where I look at this from, a, I think a more global view and look at a defense that is really, I mean, there's no, I don't need to parse words. Like they're playing the opposite of the level that we were hoping. Sure. We hope they'd be a top five unit. They are second worst in the league in points allowed and yards allowed. But when you look at like the story of this game, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like where do you see where the game is won and lost? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think for me, it's it's on the offensive side of the football. And I, and I get what everyone's going to say, like the defense didn't play well. And I'm with that. I'm 100% on board. Like they need to play better. Um, I thought they made plays in in a broad sense of the term. You know, you get the fumble down in the low red with Cam Curl, and people say, oh, that's a little bit lucky. But I feel like on that one, he kind of made his own luck. Like he's tackling the ball. He's ripping at it. He does a great job kind of skating by the receiver, tackle for loss in the backfield, tackles the ball, balls out. Great job, right? I think the tush-push thing, at least from my eye, 
obviously they the execution by Philly is really high, but I think you get Deron Payne diving at an angle kind of behind the pile and punching at the ball. And I don't know if that was the plan or if that's something he did on his own. I think the ball at the very least, there. if he ran into the guard, which is what I thought happened, like yeah. you have to actually stop the guard. Like yeah. there's got to be a, a stop of that mass to, to make that happen. Yeah. And so I think, I really think they just did a, even though that's not excellent, you know, like you may be a little bit lucky on the tush push. I think they made plays. I think they had a three and out earlier in the first half. Good job, right? And when you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles and when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles, they are just kind of, there's an inevitability to how they play. And so I guess my expectation is that Philly's going to make plays. And can your defense make enough plays so your offense can win the game? And this is a very... Um, kind of analytics, 2023 offensive-driven perspective, but there's no, there's, there's not a good enough defense for a good offense. And I know that sounds crazy, and that's a little bit counterintuitive to what a lot of fans think, and like traditionally what football looks at. But if the offense is is playing well, the the play caller's in his bag, the quarterback's playing well, the receivers are making plays. There's not a whole lot you can do. And when I look at that when I reviewed this film, again, I think the defense can play better. I think they should play better. But in this game, it comes down to Jalen Hurts making plays and A.J. Brown making plays really is what it comes down to. And you're not going to get stops versus an offense like that, in my opinion, when they're playing that well. Obviously, there's the coverage bust, which is maddening, and that's something that they definitely got to get fixed because you got to make them drive the length of the field. But I look at it, it's 24-24. You have the ball as an offense. You drive down. Four, it's four and eight. You don't get it. There's three incompletions there that I think probably should be completions. One to Jahan, two to Terry, obviously that are drops. Like we'll talk about those in a second. They punt the ball. You, your defense comes out. They get a stop in a tied football game. They punt the ball back. You throw an interception. It's 31-24. You get the ball back again, and then you go four and out. And I think that to me is is a very frustrating thing. And I know the I know that's maybe unreasonable, but as an offensive player, I'm like you have you have the game in your hand. The game is there. You, and like as an as an offensive player, I remember being in Kyle's meetings and Sean meetings and it's like in this situation like Sean like on Monday if we came back after this game and we lost this game, Kyle would be in fits because he knows that it's an offensive driven league and that we should win this game. And I go I know that's a very offensive centric perspective, but you have the ball twice. And you could have gone down and scored. And I understand it's a young football player. I understand the defense should be better. But I, just the way I prioritize things and the way I look at football now, those situations as an offense, you need to capitalize on them. And you score points. Or you need you need at least to possess the football. So um, I think that's why I feel that way. And again, like I think the offense did a tremendous job. You know, I thought they did a tremendous job. They looked in rhythm. I thought Sam had a lot of responsibility at the line of scrimmage, which I thought was great. I thought he was identifying matchups correctly. I thought he made some big-time throws, all those things. But that that can be true. And also my frustration with the end of the game and how it played out can also be true. And I think, you know, you said on the post-game pod that Jahan felt like the team kind of clamped up. And I yeah, felt that uh, a little bit. They flinched. That was his word. Yeah. yeah, they flinched. And I felt that a little bit when I was watching. I'm like, here's your opportunity to go seal this game and and kind of put your clamp on put put your stamp on it and say hey we're going to go up we we're, we're going to go up 31-24 and we're going to put Philly in a situation where they got to stress and grind to get back in this game and we couldn't do it and i think you know how realistic is that i don't know but my expectation as a former player as a play caller now is that that happens like you know when i call I games you. and this and this happened this happened to me last week this this exact same thing happened and i am 
upset about it because when I called this game, I didn't execute in those situations. I didn't put the guys in a good position to be successful. So that's how I think about it. And again, defense is historically bad, all those things. But I'm saying if you wanted to win this game, the offense had two opportunities to do it and they couldn't do it. I hear you. And I think that like, even again, if it's not a pick, if it's, if it's a seven play drive and a punt, right. like that's so much better, but Sam threw the ball 52 times and he had like four bad throws the entire game. You know, that's, that to me is hard to go back. And when, once you kind of zoom out a little bit, go like, Oh yeah. How's got to play better. Like Sam was awesome. And we'll get into the, how great he was later in the show. But you know, you talk about the defense making plays, they made some, but again, like the difference in, you know, just knocking a ball away versus like making a pick. Like, you know, I don't need more interceptions, more turnovers. What I need you to do is stop having guys moss you every single week, multiple times. Like you just can't, you know, the coverage bus, like that's an easy one. We talked about it on take five. Like you got to get communicated. You got to be in the right coverage. You got to, you got to execute whatever. But like Emmanuel Forbes is in position to make a play. Just knock the ball away. Danny Johnson has his arms or has his hand in between Julio Jones's arm and the end zone. You knock that away. Can you turn one of those touchdowns into a field goal? Benjamin St. Juice, the first one to AJ Brown. I don't know what you do with that one. That's that's one-handed catch. That's sick. Like, what the hell are you gonna do with that? But I think that to to look at this and say, all right, you're up 17, 10 at half. Like you've done some great things defensively. How do you keep that going? And then, you know, even bigger picture, Logan, I know you're, you're zooming in on this and I'm kind of zooming out, but the Eagles have only put up 30 points twice this year and it's against this team both times. So I, I do, like, I hear you that they got going, they found it. They're in a rhythm. Sirianni and, and uh, Brian Johnson are, are clicking. Hertz is playing well. He seems to be really comfortable in seeing the field well. Um, AJ Brown's in his bag. Devontae's doing just enough. Um, all that stuff. But why is it only happening against this team? Like, what what did the Jets do? What did these other teams do to prevent this from happening? And I think especially, and this is super big picture, but with the resources given on that side of the ball compared to the resources deployed on offense, you shouldn't be expecting this offense to have to score 40 to win a game. And that's realistically where they were at. Um, you, you know, or 35 to win a game. If you want to say like, okay, well, after the pick, like, what are you supposed to do there defensively? Um, but you know, it, it's just like this defense is underperforming every other defense against common opponents week in and week out. And eventually you, you gotta, like, I, I think we have to assign blame there and, and say, why is this happening and how can they fix it week in and week out as opposed to just going, how does the offense overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I also think there's a lot of familiarity with between these two teams, and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that this offense plays really well against Philadelphia too. I think they know each other really well. I think it's like that common opponent thing. Maybe common opponent in division would be a better metric to look at. I'm not sure what that looks like, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't disagree with anything you said. Defense has to play better. However, I would I would just call attention to the fact that like you're 0 for three on fourth down. So there's that fourth down conversion you don't get that ends up leading to points for Philadelphia. And I say to myself, like, man, like you get that and the game is almost over if you get that four that fourth down conversion where they throw the almost the it's the almost interception to Terry with James Bradbury in coverage. Very handsy coverage by James Bradbury, but hey, don't get the call there. That's fine. Um, so that's one. And then the end of game situation, like say what you want. Like you, you know, you talk about roster construction, resource allocation, they need to be playing better. I don't disagree with that, but this is this. I'm talking about the game flow in this specific game. You're you're in. You have the ball. You have two opportunities to score. 
and you sure. don't do it. And one of those, and one of them is like kind of a catastrophe in terms of the ball is intercepted and you're inside the 10. And so that's the way I look at it. And again, like Sam had an excellent game. I thought, I thought he played really well. I did a lot of really good things offensively. You know, I think they, they might've turned a corner here, which is great. But in terms of what's required to win this football game, especially given what the defense had been going against, right, all day and how they'd been playing. I think that's the other thing. The context of the game is like, you know, offensively that it's going to be very challenging for the defense to stop them. And for whatever reason that is, is that familiarity? Is that what whatever it may be? But I just look at it and I say to myself, like, man, like that's tough. And then the, it's and then it's like it's to me, it's almost like there's like a third layer to it in that you have an opportunity to again tie the football game but you go four and out inside your own 15 and then they score again and i I think that 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 whole sequence is just was just a little disappointing for me and i and totally and i and i and i also think it's like correlated the, the fact that maybe it is because the defense is struggling like you need to support that group offensively better and is that fair i don't know i don't know if i'm not thinking about fair i'm thinking about what's going to take to win the game and um, that's what's going to take to win the game. So, yeah, like, would you like um, Benjamin St. Juice to make a play on one of those? And it doesn't even have to be on one of the touchdowns. Like, can he make a play on that 20-yard out on a third and six in the middle of the first quarter, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Make that play. And you don't. It's, 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 it's just tough against that offense, the way Jalen Hurts played in that game. And I – the way he played in that game was was very high level. Like I was very impressed with him. Like he always he never seemed flustered. The offense never seemed flustered in general. Some of those throws that he was making were awesome. Um, but yeah, you'd like to see defense make some plays. The one that sticks out to me was the the Forbes uh, down in like near the tunnel end where yeah. Quan's the it's two man and Quan's coming over to help and you really have two guys in the same spot. And I'm like, man, you couldn't one of you guys couldn't. Uh, poke the ball out there or laid a hit or whatever it right. was. Quan, so. Quan takes a really bad angle there. He just kind of takes himself out of the play. Yeah. Forbes just gets, I mean, I said this on first and 10 uh, yesterday to, to start my show. Like I, we can say, you know, we can debate whether Forbes is just too small to play in the league period right now, or he's got to figure out how to play at his size, but he's for sure too small to play AJ Brown right now. Yeah. Like there's just not a lot of contact there and Brown puts him exactly where he wants him and just goes up over the top. Yeah, and I also think I mean you got to give credit to AJ Brown yeah, too. Yeah, Brown. I, think I mean, that, and yeah, Brown's the best receiver in football right now. The last seven weeks, he's playing great. Like you know, he's he was a good player in Tennessee. Um, but yeah, man, that catch in the end zone on St. Juice, like St. Juice is about in as good a spot as you could possibly be, and for him to one hand that, get both feet down, like gosh, like players make plays, I guess. And I I think when I go back, like when we talked about in the pregame show, like AJ Brown's going to get his. The one that's really frustrating to me is the coverage bust because you've yeah because that's the one you can't let them both get you and you let right. them both get you and i think that's the frustrating thing so first of all clean up aisle craig stats uh there's two other games where the eagles have scored 30 this year uh they've scored it four. uh quick misread by me uh including last week against the dolphins the other one was against the vikings in week two that thursday night game where the vikings fumbled 5742 times yeah. uh so it hasn't been just against the commanders, but definitely two of their their best point outputs of the season have been against Washington when it's all said and done. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Wait, look, you talk about the comfortability. Like, why is Jalen so comfortable? Where is this D-line? I, think, um, that's I, I think I think that that's like one of the things too is like the third down uh, down on that same end opposite corner, like the tunnel end, but uh, yeah. other side of the field uh, where Brown, the first Brown versus Forbes one-on-one matchup. Like, no pressure. None yeah. whatsoever on that play. And that just lets A.J. Brown go. Forbes keeps dropping, dropping, dropping until he's five yards off the sticks. Brown, you know, hits the comeback. Easy completion on like a yeah. third and 13, I think it was. Like that, that. that's just too easy, singled up. And there's no pressure. Like you shouldn't have time to do that. The fourth down uh, that should have been challenged by Rivera. There's no pressure on that. Devontae yeah. Smith is able to run around forever. And so, you know, again, it's like the same concept applied to offense uh, that you're that you're applying to the offense of key situations. Let's even take it out of some of the back end stuff. Yeah. Where is the defensive line in key situations? And part of this, like one of the things that I noticed when I went back and rewatched the game, is Jack actually brought a lot more pressure. And you tipped me off to this during the post game show. This is something you saw live. Like Jack brought more pressures than I initially realized. Like Mayo blitzed up quite a bit. J- yeah. Jamin blitzed quite a bit. They brought some DBs at times. And this Eagles offensive line plus their entire protection package just identified and stonewalled it. Like they're yeah. so good they're really as a good. protection unit. But if you're if you're Chase and Montez and and John and Duran, like that's why you're here. You got to be able to bust through that. And and in seemingly every key situation, Jalen's able to to easily move. Around. I mean, he's great at it, but he's not as great as he usually is because his knees hurt. And clearly, you could see it in the game. He didn't want to run but he's able to get enough space to make plays with his arm or throw the ball away and avoid big negative plays. And um, that's good quarterbacking, but uh, good quarterbacking can be overcome by a, a quick win and a, a sack or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think like this, we could probably do like a whole show on this, you know, like the pressure and, and like, cause I think about what the jets did and the jets brought a lot of pressure on third down. I think Jack to his credit did that. And I think it did pay off in certain situations. You're able to get kind of, Peel like peel the slide off of uh, John Allen. He's able to squeak through and create a pressure. They did some good stuff in that regard, but the problem is you're leveraging the back end so dramatically. And if you don't win relatively quickly, Hertz is going to buy a little time and, and make a good throw. And I think there was a couple times where I'm like, I, you could tell Jack maybe wanted to bring a pressure, but was a little bit nervous because St. Juice gets beat on the. He brings a pressure. It's third and eight. I want to say it was in the first quarter, and. St. Juice gets beat on the out to A.J. Brown, and it might have made him take the foot off the gas. But um, 
I think when they weren't being being pre- bringing pressure to your point, the front four was very very quiet. And this is the this is the best offensive line in football, and I think it shows you what a dominant offensive line can do. Like really, like a, very rarely do I say like a group is dominant, but it's not just this team. It's every team they've played. That group has. Like, I don't want to say stood on their head because they're not doing anything that they can't physically do, but Jordan Mailata is one of the best tackles in football. Obviously, Kelsey at center, Landon Dickerson at guard work really well together, and then whoever they pl- plug in at that right guard just seems to play extremely well. And then Lane Johnson, so uh, it's frustrating. I-, I knew that that was going to happen. I knew that they weren't going to be able to generate uh, generate a ton of pressure with the front four. Obviously, when they were able to blitz, the pressure went up. Good job. Um, I just. To me, the front four against that those five guys, when it's not in the run, are, are at a little bit of a disadvantage for whatever reason. And there's a lot go, that goes into that from a defensive line standpoint. Like when you're rushing a mobile quarterback, makes you a little bit more tentative, all those things. But, man, that's it, it was tough. It was tough to go back and watch that because like in all of those big explosive pass plays, the line is very, very quiet. And that's kind of the same thing we talked about in the Chicago game. The line would create pressure, but not on the explosive plays. And so what do you do if you're the coach? And, um, you know, if there's one criticism I'd maybe levy against Jack is just like, can the pressure hit a little bit quicker? There were a couple of times where they're trying to disguise it and maybe Philly's going on the quick count and the, and the rush doesn't quite get started right away. So they're able to kind of sit on the slides, sit on the double teams and pass protection a little bit longer um, as opposed to having a bump off right away. And that's something I'd just be like, is that something if we're self-scouting that we can get corrected? So, I think there's many layers to that. There's good job bringing protection. How do we max or pressure? How do we maximize those pressures? And then what's the deal with the offensive line in these empty looks, not generating pressure with four? And I guess you got to give credit to Philly, but I think to your point, you'd like that group to be the group that's been um, that's been given all this money and all this draft capital. And that being said, like John and Payne had good games. Montez had a had a pretty solid game. It's just the pressure statistic that we're all kind of hoping for and watching for uh, wasn't there. And I think that's the big thing that's very, very frustrating about this group is um, in those big moments, like they are very quiet and, you know, think about one of the things like we were hoping for after the the Broncos game, or at least I was hoping for is that they had found a found a way to like put their stamp on the game. Here we are, right. you know, here, are the, here are these six plays where the defensive line took over the game. And I can't think of, any plays in this game where that was the case. And that's, that's, that's frustrating. And again, when you're playing against the best O-line in football, that's going to happen. But I think you'd like this group with all this talent to step up and say, you know, we can compete with that group with, with the offensive line for Philly on a down to down basis. Right. It's, you know, is it, is it going to be less successful than it would against, you know, what you'd hope to have seen against the Giants O-line? And frankly, like this team, this defense did a really good job against the Giants O-line. Just yeah. the Giants did a good job play calling to insulate that. Yeah. Um, but you talk about, you know, I think we think of like good O-line play as, oh, they block really well. They don't lose the block. But some of the communication stuff happens quicker versus, you know, Washington with inexperience and not as good of, of players. When they go to pass off a stunt, it happens slower. And so you yeah. see more wins and things like that. Um, you know, pressures, uh, you cause busts uh, in protection, all that kind of stuff. 
that doesn't happen against Philly. Um, and you mentioned like a little anecdote real quick is like they are so dialed in. Uh, there was a protection, uh, a slide protection to the left. I, I forget what play it was. Jalen had to throw the ball away. It was the one only times where the pressure got home. John Ridgeway beats uh, Kelsey, Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey, Jason, Jason Kelsey, Kelsey. Jason, Jason Kelsey. Um, so much easier to play them if Travis was playing. Center. I know it would be way easier. Um, so beats Jason Kelsey and Jason in the play is looking over his shoulder and yelling at Landon Dickerson, yelling at Landon Dickerson, walls off Ridgeway. Jalen Hurst steps up, throws the ball out of way, and he is pointing in his face. And I was like, that's, that's the standard there. It's like, you were supposed to help me out. Where the hell are you going? Sit your big butt in here and help me out. And I thought, like, that, that, that's what having that, like, leadership at the center position and a veteran and, like, with Lane Johnson there, like, you know that nobody's messing around there. And I just thought, man, that's, that's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool thing for a vet to be, like, in the middle of the play. Like, block your guy, somehow magically make up for the guy's mistake, and then be like, dude, like, pull your head out of your butt. Get over here and make this block. So Yeah. Um, that was also a miraculous job by Jason. To, he was, like, 0.1 seconds away from getting called for holding on that, yes. but he, he lets him go. Yeah. Um, and, and then like, walls him out, yeah. Yeah, John Ridgway is chasing Jalen Hurts, and that's not a fair race. So, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is. You mentioned Montez has a good game. John has a good game. Teron has a good, good, good game. Good game is a relative term here. It's yeah, they, they made they all made some plays. John had yeah. like six pressures in the game per PFF's yeah. count. Like John, John, I thought, John, John, I thought this was one of John's better games. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Duran makes a couple of plays here and there. Montez, a couple of plays. You'd obviously hope for a little bit more consistency. I was going to ask you about Chase's game anyway, um, even yeah. before you didn't say him there, because to me, this was one of Chase's worst games in a while from what I was able to see. Yeah. Um, he's been so dominant as a pass rusher. You don't get that. And I think that the bad stuff that you've seen from him, the lack of effort on mm -hmm. a lot of the run plays or, or like if the play is not right at him, is he going to go pursue with a relentless type of uh, play that you want to see from an elite player? It's like I saw that a lot, um, that, that it's not there. Um, and it felt like in a lot of situations, he's playing patty cake with Jordan Mailata. And yeah. I know it's it can look like you're playing pat a cake when you're trying really hard because Jordan Mailata is like 6'8", 400 pounds, and it is yeah. just a monster. He's so good at left tackle. So I don't want to necessarily say like, oh, it's 100% because Chase isn't trying. Yeah. Um, because sometimes Jordan Mailata just makes you look that way. But like, that is not, to me, that was not a good Chase Young game. I'm curious what you saw. Yeah, and this is like, this is a weird thing. And this is something that like, maybe we should like do some research on and watch a little bit of film on. But for whatever reason, there's like a, there's like a level of pass rusher, right? And so you, like Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, whatever, they'll be dominant against a certain caliber of tackle, like dominant. They'll, they'll win, mm -hmm. you know, 30% of their rushes. They're very disruptive in the game. And then when they get into like the top three, four, five guys, so we're talking Lane Johnson, Tristan Wirfs, Trent Williams, that type of guy, they just become like regular pass rushers. And I feel like that with Chase in the first matchup, like he had a pressure on Mylotta and Mylotta hadn't given up a pressure the whole year or he had a sack, maybe sack or pressure. I don't remember, but yeah. it was, it was one pressure, one play in 60 snaps, you know, 30 pass rush attempts. And, um, and so I do think there was a little bit of like, Mylotta's got his number. Lane Johnson has Montez's number. Like when I look at how Lane sets and the type of rusher he's going to play well against, He's going to play well against Montez. They invite these bull rushes. They sit on the inside move. Like that's what Chase, is, what Chase wants to do. And you watch how Mylotta set Chase today. 
or yesterday or, or Sunday, he's setting for the inside move. He's waiting very patiently and Chase just didn't have an answer. And so with these really good tackles who are really well prepared, they, they know what to take away. It's like, um, you know, pitchers in baseball, I'm sure to a certain extent, it's like, you want to hit the fastball? I'm not going to give you a fastball. I'm not going to give you an overset. I'm not going to do it. You're going to have to beat me with something else. And that's what they did. And Chase, again, like didn't show up. I think credit to Marlotta, but also I don't think it's a coincidence that when Casey and James come in and they're playing with a little better effort, it kind of, you can see it when you're watching film. It like sparks that, not sparks the defense. That's an over, over, that's an over, that's an exaggeration, but they, it does stuff to the tackle because they're working. They're in the down. You can tell the tackle's a little bit more stressed. They've got to play the down a little bit longer as opposed to Chase, who, when my lot gets them shut off, gets the move shut off, it's he a little stands bit, there. yeah, it's a little bit quiet. It's a little bit kind of turns into like a, like a bull rush. And when I look at some of the best passers, I do a lot of defensive line evaluation because I, I give advice to guys on pass rushing. The best pass rushers stay active late in the down because you don't know, right? Like there was a couple situations, um, the the one to Forbes or the ball that was completed on Forbes on the comeback that you described earlier, where that's like a three and a half second drop back. And if yeah. you just stay active a little bit longer in your rush, I'm not saying you're going to get a sack, but you might disrupt the throw. And I think that's the thing like, Allen did a great job in this game. Payne did a great job this game of just, they didn't win all the time, but there was an activeness, an urgency to their play. Same thing with Montez. And you're kind of like, and, and I think that's the thing that's frustrating. And now they, they probably had a lot of yellow rushes or kind of their base. I, I call them yellow rushes, kind of like their cautious rushes, these kind of bull rushes right down the middle, which are harder to win on. Um, but at the same time, you can be active on those and be disruptive as well. So I, I do think there is um, – it's something you alluded to last week, and I feel like it kind of – it popped up here in a more dramatic way for Chase. Like when your effort isn't always there, it leads to performances like this, which are kind of – it's not bad, but it's definitely not good. It's just kind of you're out there. And I think that's um, that's frustrating if I'm, if I'm a teammate or if I'm a fan watching him, for sure. If you're elite you can't give up on a play after your first move doesn't work. 100%. Like, especially at that position, one of the most elite traits you can have is rel relentlessness. Yeah. And, you know, you watch Micah Parsons play. That dude is an animal. Mm -hmm. and Nick Bosa, Chase, same thing. Nick, yeah, Nick Bosa. I mean, Joey Bosa. Miles Garrett. Yeah, oh, God. Like, I mean, that was J.J. Watt. Was he four-time defensive player of the year? Like, that was J.J. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, the elite guys have that and chase has not demonstrated it. It might be within him. An urgency, an urgency There's an urgency yeah. to their play. Cause it's really like, you're not going to win clean as a pass rusher all the time. Like, you know, let's say you end up with 12 sacks on the year, five of them, four of them might be just cleanup sacks. Someone else gets a pressure and you're just working. Right. You just keep working and you get the sacks. That so. was Montez's sack in the game. Duran yep. missed, but yes. it disrupted the play and Montez was able to like go, okay, I'm going to go tap Jalen on the shoulder as he falls down and I get credit for the sack. And Casey's sack was very similar. It's like they he flushes, him and Montez go high. They flush him out to the right and Casey just works. He just works his butt off, chases him down, and gets a sack. And yeah. it wasn't anything like technically great about the rush. It was just an effort thing. So the two, it, that's I don't all think it's, the, also the difference on that one between probably like a two yard loss and a two yard gain. Yeah, because he's 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 working his butt off. And same thing with the Montez one. I'm not you know like the guys with good effort. Like and on that play, Duran does a great job. It's an RPO. He skates the center. He's diving in the backfield to tackle him. He 
trips Jalen Hurts up, and then Montez is right there. So you see that effort. John had a bunch where it's a blitz. He's bull rushing. He's on a double team. The guy leaves. He sheds violently, and then he's he's creating pressure. And so um, I I don't think it's a coincidence that those those effort rushes showed up against a good def- a good offensive line. So um, and I got to go back and watch Chase individually for a more like in depth analysis. But my high level thought after watching was like it just didn't feel very urgent and some of those other guys were much more urgent like even when james is in there and he's bulling on lane like you know he's not going to win but he's you can tell lane is having to play the whole down and i think there's value there as as a as a as a as a guy of a fan of football and a fan of pass rush like there's value there for sure yeah one thing i like that they did too is they started a bunch of series with the twos in like they, yeah. they rotated a little bit more and they were like, you know, if these guys aren't going to come off the field when we want them to, or, you know, maybe we were, were trying to get uh, these, these guys to James and Casey and Fedarian and, and Ridgeway to wear down these linemen a little bit. Then later in the series, uh, if, if there's a first down, like we'll bring in the, the horses and have them go against some more tired guys. So um, that was one thing I liked uh, from like a coaching strategic standpoint and noticed in the game was starting the series with James and Casey and Fedarian on the field uh, a whole bunch. Um, anything else from the D? I mean, we haven't really talked. I, I don't know what there's to say about the coverage stuff. Like guys got to make plays. Yeah, guys got to make plays. And I thought there was a, um, you know, like I, I appreciate what Jack was trying to do. Right. And I just think like when there's that matchup, like, Maybe you got to do something different from a man standpoint. And yeah. well, I guess we t- should talk about like we should talk about Emmanuel getting matched up on AJ Brown multiple times at big spots because yeah, that I, seems I, like I, that seems like a, a a decision that gets made that is preventable that you should just not do that. Yeah, and I got to go back and watch those specifically. Like I I don't even know what personnel they're in. Honestly, I don't know where Fuller's playing. I don't know where St. Juice is playing. Um, but a couple things that stuck out to me. I thought there was some. You know, you mentioned in the pregame that they were going to miss Cody Barton. And I felt like there was a couple of Tampa two looks or just straight two looks where Mayo's the coverage guy and Mayo's doing everything he can. You know, he's open to the three receiver side and he's playing with vision on the quarterback. And those are plays where Barton probably gets a little bit more depth. When the quarterback looks to the backside dig, he's able to push over and maybe get in the throwing lane. I'm not saying he's going to make a play, but just make the look a little bit cloudy. I thought that happened two or three times with Mayo specifically on the backside dig. And again, like that's tough. You're open to three by one. The rule is open to three by one. I get it. He does it right. He's just like all due respect to David Mayo, but like that's why he's a backup in the league. Yeah. And I think from a skill set, physical trait standpoint, he doesn't have the speed and quickness and size and length to get there. Right. And so like that's where you kind of miss a guy like Barton. And I think, um, you know, Jamin and Kalik did some good stuff, but they had some mistakes. But in terms of the secondary, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Like, because in those man-to-man situations, at some point you got to win. And it's maybe that's an unfair ask versus A.J. Brown, the way he's playing right now. Like, maybe that is. I don't know. I, I really can you win. Can you win 5% more of the time? Not every time, but can yeah. you win? Instead of, instead of winning 20% of the time, can you win 25% of the time, you know? Well, it's funny. Like, I do think, like, it maybe even needs to be more than that because, like, St. Juice has a great, does a great job on um, Devontae Smith. I think it was, like, it was a cover two look. He gets hands on, winds him to the sideline, and Hurts wants to throw the out so bad, but uh, – St. Juice has just gloved him up and he's got to get move. He's got to move on to his next target. They got to pressure us to throw the ball away. And I think to myself, like, you know, like there are plays like that for the secondary in, in, in throughout the game, but it really comes down to like, uh, I'm trying to think it's, 
It's the one to De- it's the one to Devonte Smith on fourth and four. It's the touchdown to AJ Brown. It's the big completion on Forbes that ends up being a touchdown in the Tampa two. And like <clears throat> that's really what it comes down to. Like I think the down to down defense is pretty good. You know, like they're in pretty good spots, but like that's the nature of defense. Is like you could watch, let's say it's seventy clips, like fifty five of them are pretty good, and then there's like fifteen where you're like, damn, like those those negatively impact the outcome of the game and i think that's something that i have a really hard time with as an offensive player like negotiating because even when i'm watching defense i'm like this play happens or this third down happens because the offense doesn't execute well and like i just think that's the nature of the of defense now like it's it's really so reliant on the level of offense you're playing which is one of the reasons i think they'll play better against seattle i think they'll play better against new england the next couple weeks because those offenses aren't quite as good as philly but man, like it's just it's really hard. And and you've brought this up. Like defenses are playing better now in the NFL. They're they're kind of dictating more to offenses. But it's the best the best year defenses have had in the NFL in a long time. And and that could be spuriously correlated to this is also a year where there's more young quarterbacks starting than ever before. But for whatever reason, um, our defense is not playing as well. And I do think it's because they've played some really good quarterbacks. And I and I and I just think it's it's I think there's there's a really good correlation or causation there between the caliber of quarterback, the caliber of offense, and the defensive production. Um, but to your point, like you got to make plays, you got you yeah. have to make plays, and I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I, I like, I wish there was some layered, nuanced analysis yeah, there, here. But I, I, I tried to ask that question to multiple people on Saturday, Sunday, and um, I felt like a moron asking a question. I was like, "How do you?" And I realized what I was asking. I was like, "You just have to do it." Like there is yeah. no like the technique. I mean, ask Ron, and he's like, "You got to play through the hands." And like, go look at the touchdown to Julio Jones. Danny Johnson is playing through Julio Jones's hands, and Julio almost rips Danny's arm off. Like, yeah. there's just nothing to do there except for be stronger and make the play. But like we said, we joked, I just threw out a number, like instead of 20%, 25%, how about 5%? Yeah. On the 15 targets to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, it's 15 catches. Wow. AJ was eight for eight. Devontae was seven for seven. Literally make a play and, those and you are, have a better performance like that is that's what we're talking catches. about here those are those are a lot of those are contested catches like well that's what i'm saying is like yeah. you're in position but you have to make the play and they've got no. they've got to figure out how to do that yeah the one i would say that is obviously the one in the end zone with saint juiced i don't know what you do there i yeah, think that's i think that's forbes crazy. on the comeback i think if the pressure's a little bit better that's a more competitive down for him the one that really bothers me was the, was the two-man because you, you're basically in a double team on aj brown basically it ends up playing that way and there's no hit on there's no hit on him from the safety like forbes is up there trying to make a play like some that ball should come out i think if, if that's cam curl i think that ball comes out and yeah. so that's again two young players against a very good player um and that's tough, man. I, I, it's it's really frustrating. I don't know if you can hear my frustration. It's frustrating to watch that because you're like, I don't know what you would do differently. Do you call different defenses? Because Jack was pretty in and out. They played man. They played two. They played three. They did some different stuff. And, you know, when they were in two, they were kind of exp- exploiting the middle of the field. And, you know, we talked about Mayo and his and his – and his ability to do the correct thing, but not the ability to kind of to do that next level thing and protect that dick throw. And I'm not saying Cody could have done it either, but at least maybe the window's a little bit cloudier. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's just, harder. And it just, there was, it just in coverage, there was so many issues and uh, a lot of space and um, don't really have a good answer for it, honestly. 
No, I mean, this goes back to a statement that I feel like I'm probably unfortunately going to say a lot more this year, but I kind of came up with it uh, after everyone was griping about the offense last week. Um, there is no play call that is execution proof. Like there yeah. just isn't like eventually yeah. you have to execute and executing could be making the throw, making the right read, um, swiping the ball out. Like it, it's, it's all those things. It's the throwing, the catching, the blocking, the tackling, the, the fundamentals of the sport. And there is no play that is execution proof. There are some plays that are easier perhaps for certain players to execute than others. Right. Maybe you're in a better position. You prevent the throw in the first place. And you know, we could, we could go super deep. We'd have to watch every play uh, again, uh, four more times to like really probably understand that. But realistically, like when guys are in that good of position and you have, you know, like, let's say 12 of those 15 plays to Brown and Smith are contested, something like that. Yeah. Like you just got to have dudes making plays. And, well, I, I was, and also that at that happen. point though, like, you know, if you're in the right coverage, does Devonte Smith get that touchdown at the end of the game? Like though, though that to me is maybe a bigger one is, what is in your control and it's it's your it's your attention to detail like your mental uh, acuity and that's one where they run on the same page and it ends up being a big play and that's something we said you had to avoid and because again aj brown he's going to make his plays like he's he's playing like one of the best receivers in football right now that i think if i was going to point to one thing maybe you can't coach the catch point but man we can make sure we're in cover two when we're in cover two and limit that throw and who knows what happens you know maybe i think that was like second and 15 on that play or second and 18 so then you're in a nice third down situation you're not really in field goal range you give the ball back to your offense it's 24 to 17 you know or 24 to 20 or 24 to 20 even if they kick the field goal and you're that's a totally different dynamic to that game off of a coverage bust and we're not talking about the defense in the same way because they were able to make three red zone stops in that game and that's that's good football and that's what you're looking for but one comes on a mental mistake so i would say maybe you can't coach the physical stuff but you can coach the mental stuff and we can make sure we're on the same page and that's and again it's one play where there was a glaring mental mistake but that in a game like this where it's close against a good football team like that's a big deal Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here. We will be there if there is MGM National Harbor at Tap Sports Bar on Sunday. Oh, you like that transition? Ah, that was good. Ah, yeah. It's professional good. over here. Uh, <laughs> Tap Sports Bar is where we hang out Sunday mornings, getting you ready for the Commanders, uh, in this case, Patriots game. We are live at 10 a.m. on 1067 The Fan and the Team 980 for the Take Command pregame show. Also, stream it live on YouTube at the Team 980 and 106.7 The Fan. All right, Logan, let's talk about the offense, which was mostly fantastic, yeah. but had some, uh, to use Jahan Dotson's word, major flinches uh, mm -hmm. at, at key moments. Let's talk about the good stuff first, because at the end of the day, like Sam Howell threw for damn near 400 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he seemed to have way more freedom at the line of scrimmage, which I thought was really important. Uh, yeah. I thought EB gave him a bunch of easy stuff. The screen game was the most active it's been all year. Um, what do you make of kind of big picture thoughts of, of the passing game specifically and how that was supported by everything else, play calling, run game, execution, yada, yada? Yeah, I thought EB did an excellent job when he was calling this game. I thought they came out and there wasn't a lot of shots downfield until the Terry um, touchdown. They just they just did a great job. Quick game screen, quick game run, whatever. And it just kept them off rhythm and guys made plays. Sam found the right matchups. You mentioned some of the some of his involvement at the line of scrimmage. I thought that was really nice too. Um, you know, he checked to uh I forget what it was. It was like all slants, like three slants to the right, where he hits Logan Thomas. He 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 alerts that. 
great job there, you know, identifying something you want, hitting your best matchup. Uh, he checked to a screen on a fourth and 15 versus an all out pressure look. They bailed out of it, so they kind of got him, but I like that he's taking ownership of that. I thought the protections in general were much better called with uh, Larson in there. And again, that's maybe not a fair comparison to Gates last week against New York, but um, I thought Larson, there wasn't any free runners. There was a little bit of a kind of miscommunication, let's say, between Leno and Chris Paul, which we talked about in terms of passing off stunts. I thought physically Chris Paul did what you wanted him to do, but, um, you know, like he lost. He definitely had of, some mistakes, but it's basically his, his second career game. Yeah, but it's it's him on like stunts. They're on different levels, and that comes with time and experience. Lost right. to Jalen Carter once, but he, I thought overall played well enough for them to win the football game. And I just like everyone made plays. And I think that was cool to see is, you know, Terry made plays. Jahan made plays. Jahan was getting open. Jahan was featured early. I love that the first call of the game is you're, you're motioning the back to empty. You run a slant. It's man coverage. The Mike linebacker tears out of there with the back and you're able to hit a slant to Jahan for an easy pick. Jahan next play is running a choice completion to Jahan, right? Terry's on the touchdown. B Rob on the on the long run was great to see. Um, I loved his patience on that run. I know that's something people have been talking about a little bit with him. Very patient, great kick out by Chris Paul. Fantastic double team. You're probably not going to see a better double team than that in the NFL with Cosme and uh, Wiley. Really nice job moving him off the spot. He's not even touched till he gets pushed out of bounds by Slay, which is 40 yards. Well, that's field. also a play. I think they run a little bit of jet motion. And then they also, we talked about how when the back is offset right in the gun, you run left 90% yes. of the time. They brought that, you know, this is part on Robinson being patient enough to set this up, but they brought that run back right. So it's like yeah. all the things that you'd hope to see if you're going to detail up a run a little bit and, and kind of, you know, take away all the reasons why the run game hasn't been working all combined into one play. You get some motion, you break yeah. a tendency, and then you execute the hell out of it. And they, they ran from a little a little bit more from under center, which I love. Yep. They had a couple of really nice duos that are well-blocked, physical. Um, you know, B-Rob's running hard. I thought Gibson had one of his better games of the year. Obviously, there was some pass protection stuff with Gibson and with B-Rob. I think you got to give credit to N'Kobe Dean. That dude was blitzing like an absolute missile. Uh, but they got in there. They stuck their face on him. And, you know, for the touchdown, I think it was Jahan's touchdown. Um, uh, N'Kobe Dean's blitzing. Great pickup by um, by uh, by Robinson. Able to hit uh, Jahan for a touchdown on the seam on the all-go special. Loved, I just loved what they were doing. It was a diverse group. They, they knew what Philly was trying to do to them, and they were able to execute at a high level. And I just... For, for three and a half quarters of football, it was about as pretty as you're going to see. I loved the backed up sequence when they're on the one and they're in the gun in the end zone. I know a lot of people probably didn't like that, but I'm like, how, like the courage and the confidence you have in your young quarterback in this moment to be throwing out of this situation is, uh, was pretty cool. So there was just so much really positive stuff. The O line played great, really. I mean, they played really, really well. Wiley had a great game. Um, outside the sack, which was on fourth down. I don't know yeah. exactly if he was maybe late on the cadence there or whatever, but for the most part, did a really good job. Obviously, they they gave up pressures, but they were slow pressures, late in the down pressures. I saw, I thought Sam, this is one of his better games with regards to um, getting the ball out of his hand and the timing. There was a couple times where they're dropping out under a dig, under kind of a post or a corner, and there's not this hesitation, pat, 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 to get the ball to the to the sale or get the ball to the dig. It's like the ball's to the check down right now. I thought that was some, some nice maturity there. There was some movement in the pocket from Sam, which was great. That Kinda was that was one of my favorite things I saw from him. Yeah. I was like, oh, he can 
that's if he does that, then we're in business. Yeah. And that's that's a big reason why he doesn't take, you know, five sacks for the first time all year. Yeah. Is because there are times where he just subtly slides out of the way. And one, that helps him avoid pressure. Two, it creates a throwing lane. I also thought he used his arm angles really well in this game. Yeah. There's a couple balls, uh, including the touchdown to Logan, that are that are kind of sidearm. So he yeah. was able to find windows in ways that he hadn't previously. Yeah, so I mean, like, lots of good stuff. <laughs> like, really, like, a lot of good stuff. And I, my only criticism was how the end, the last eight minute, last eight and a half minutes of the game went, really. Yeah. That, that's the only thing that I have a, even a moment's pause with, so. So let's talk about the pick real quick because uh, that is one where there is the deeper route to Terry. Yeah. He's got Jahan on a shallow cross underneath. My guess is you should probably just like the thing is like a good throw. He might get Terry there. Um, it's not a good ball, but it's like just take the easy one. Take yeah. take the underneath route. It's second down. Like just hit Jahan and let him run because he's in an open space. You might wind up with the same gain anyway. Yeah, and I maybe Terry shouldn't inside release that. I don't know. So obviously, if you outside release and then run the dig, you create a little bit of space away from that. I don't know if it's a Tampa two player, but definitely like kind of that middle hook player, and um, and it's it's a cloudy window for sure. Like I was surprised that he threw the ball honestly because it is it's a little bit muddy, and especially when there's someone coming into your vision right in front of you, and there's nobody around Jahan, just probably just take the safe play there especially yeah. like when in those in those long drive sequences like uh it's so important to get that first one called get that first completion and it gets the ball rolling you get ahead of the sticks all those things so i uh, that i didn't love that decision there was a couple moments like that earlier in the game where you're kind of like he you know they're in the they're in the red zone he's trying to force the ball in the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and probably to the benefit of the offense but again that's one kind of big mistake i i did feel at times like on the fourth down, for example, like forcing the ball to Terry on an out, probably not great. Again, he gets away with the PI, but um, I think overall, like uh, on that play, Curtis winds up screaming oh gosh, so wide open. open. Um, is there anything that could have indicated pre-snap that he should have not gone to Terry or did you just see the one-on-one -on, -one on Terry and you're like, that's my matchup? Because like, that's what we'd all beg, like, right? If he goes to the other side and there's an incompletion, we're all going, dude, you got Terry one-on-one. -on -one. Why right. don't you just throw to Terry? Right. Like, just make it easy. And so I, it's hard for me to be critical until you see Curtis just the most open that any receiver will ever be in NFL history open down the middle of the field because the Eagles completely bust it. Right. So is there anything pre-snap that could have indicated, hey, <laughs> hey, dude, maybe maybe look over here? No, I was trying to figure out what concept they were running. They kind of stopped really early. It looks like they might be running like a, what I would characterize as like a like a pit, like so post sit concept with a flat or a, or a bow concept and Curtis takes it to a post, but they end up with two guys kind of standing right next to each other, um, B-Rob and Logan Thomas. So it could have been arches also where Logan's supposed to run across the formation and then B-Rob's supposed to run the angle there and then Curtis is supposed to clear it out. Um, and I guess if depending on the concept, some of those are good versus man, and some of those are good versus zone. The pits, the bows, all those ones are probably better versus zone, in my opinion. Obviously, they can be fine versus man if you like the matchup. But um, if, if that's the case, if that was the concept called, then you want to work the the you want to work the one on one to Terry. And if it's because it, it was obviously man coverage, right? And if it's that arches concept, I probably want to work the back, work the side of the back because he's going to run this angle on a linebacker and break across the face of that player for the, for the ball, but it doesn't look like arches. So um, I 
nothing nothing that i just bad not, luck not knowing the concept really like yeah. i don't think there's any reason to work over there unless it's one of those man beating concepts but um but yeah and i i just don't love i think it's it's supposed to be a hitch or something uh but and they get away with a little bit a little bit of defensive pass interference but yeah man that that was a tough uh tough tough down there because he is i mean that's a touchdown if he throws it to curtis and i don't know anything that would take his eyes over there you have to ask sam probably or, or eb like what the read was there but man he yeah. was he was so that's over, that's a pre-snap down. decision you you stick with it it's fine uh from a process standpoint but uh i it looked like it was an out and he threw a hitch um so i don't it's just not I don't on the like same an, page. I, if, if it wasn't out i don't like the out i don't like an out in like a press man situation or a man situation i don't like outs because those yeah. dbs are too good and, and he's at a full width split there's not a lot of space for him to throw the out so like let's make sure that we're giving the quarterback a ball there so i, I would have preferred maybe a different route if it wasn't out i don't know i couldn't really yeah. tell uh, terry definitely broke out um so that is what it is. All right. Uh, what else from the offense? I mean, you said the O-line played great. Um, it seemed so. to be a lot more organized with Larson. Also, as you said, not facing a Wink Martindale defense will tend to make you look a lot more organized. Uh, so that is nice. Um, well, and also, I think this is a cool comparison, right? So that defensive line is one of the best defensive lines in football. And they were silent all day. Did they, did how much like gameplay did they have? Did they stunt? They twist? They, they did they a little doing bit. A bunch of that stuff? They did a little bit. I mean, it, it really felt like we were watching the Commanders. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's it just shows you how challenging it can be to win with a four man rush consistently in a game because that's really what he said. Is like we're going to play coverage and we're going to rush four. And obviously, there were places where they did bring pressure. But um, I just remember thinking like this is this is the same issue that the Commanders run into is they're trying yeah. to rush with four. The the concepts um, that Philly calls versus the commanders that every team calls versus the commanders gets the ball out quickly. And when it's time to take a shot, the defensive line's a little bit fatigued. They're not ready for the opportunity and ends up being an explosive play. And I just remember thinking like EB took maybe what New York did, just took good football practice and called a game that totally mitigated the effectiveness of that group made the, um, you know, made the offense elevated the offensive line, which is something we've been calling for. And it's the same game plan roughly, it's same is probably strong, but a very similar game plan to what they ran in the first matchup. So I just think it's it's good play calling. It's good execution. It's when a simple defensive line rush strategy, it allows the offensive line to play better. So I, I really thought it was a nice kind of juxtaposition for showing that that group is one of the best in football, right? I mean, everyone thinks Philly's defensive line is good, and they were basically held to a clean sheet all day. And not, I'm not even talking about clean sheet when it comes to sacks, but like even with regards to pressure. I don't think Sam was hit one time outside the sack. So like that is uh, a yeah, crazy the intentional game. grounding, and then there was one or two. There that was, was definitely key, one or that was two a, more. So that was a keeper, right? And so obviously, like the defense. I was talking about like dropback situation. Yeah, dropback situation. Hit, yeah, hit, yeah sorry, I should have been more clear there. Yeah, um, there's also one. I think the play before the touchdown to Logan. Maybe it's the play before the touchdown to Han. He gets smashed in the face, and he bounces right back. Because it, it was one thing that I had in my notes of like the resiliency that Sam showed. I don't remember yeah. the type of play that that it was. Yeah. Um. So I don't know whether it was a drop back or not. But like the resiliency there for Sam to just take that hit, come right back, throw a touchdown next. Yeah. Uh, next. He's play a is tough awesome. kid. But I mean, even yeah. there, so like, there's two two hits. I mean, I don't know if, yeah. if you have the PFF stats in front of you. Like, it was, uh, yeah, I can pull it up real quick. And obviously, there was the one where. Where Jalen Carter gets the pressure up the middle, but he doesn't get hit. Like he was hit five times in the game. I mean, uh, like, on fifty-two passes. Like holy cow! Like that's an excellent performance by the O line. Excellent performance by EB. So 
I think that is more in line with how that group's been playing throughout the year. And fans are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about, Logan? But I think, like I said before, the New York Giants game was probably the worst game they've had all year. Other than that, I think they've played okay. This is probably yeah. one of their better games. So This to me is how play calling elevates, though, right? 100%. It's like you you slow the rush down because you throw a bunch of screens. Sam's got way more three-step stuff than five, or as opposed yeah. to all the five-step yes. stuff. Like you yes. get the ball actually out of his hands quickly and an O-line that's playing at a decent level gives up one sack, one intentional grounding and five hits and 52 uh, passing attempts versus, you know, giving up five to nine sacks on, right. on 35 because, you know, 75% of them are five-step drops. Yeah, 100%. And so I think that, again, credit to EB. Good job by Sam elevating. And not please do it again next week and the week after that. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so I think this is, this is the good formula. This you, I think EB is going to throw the ball a ton, and uh, but this is how you insulate a good passing attack, and I think it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. So Last thing I'll say real quick, and we talked about how last week, uh, or we talked last week about how it's not necessarily about running the ball. It's about having the threat of the run to keep a defense yeah. honest, and that was definitely the case this week. I would like to see them run it a little bit more just because they were effective, and like, let's do the thing that's effective. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like that threat helps and some of the play action stuff is is more effective everything's just more effective when there you have to be honest as a defense all right that is our show for this week uh coming up later in the week obviously we have our preview of new england i'm definitively scared about this game uh, yeah, me too. because of how belichick kind of plays things defensively so we will dive deeper into that uh but that is that is how the philly game went uh talk about it more on the radio as well of course four to seven every day on the team 980 i've got the hoffman show which is also where we will have i guess at this point had full reaction to the nfl trade deadline if anything happened there uh we will talk about it uh perhaps logan will hop on later if there's a mega trade and he's got time too so uh if if that happens we'll also stick it here in the take command feed for logan i'm craig we'll see you next time on take command